0: Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. Just a hippogriff. You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for time travelers.
1: Hermione turned the hourglass over three times. The dark ward dissolved. Harry had the sensation that he was flying very fast, backward. A blur of colors and shapes rushed past him. His ears were pounding. He tried to yell but couldn't hear his own voice. And then he felt solid ground beneath his feet and everything came into focus again. What? How? Hermione, what happened? We've gone back in time. Three hours back.
2: I'm Heather Price Wright.
0: And I'm Alex Dallenberg.
2: And we are on Facebook Live right now. So, hello everyone. Hi, but also if you're listening to this after April 2nd, that's why we keep talking to no one.
0: Yeah, just We'll probably edit
2: most of that out.
0: So we're broadcasting this episode right now, April 2nd, on Facebook Live, but you'll also be able to find the uncut video on uh, our Facebook page Ugh, uncut sorry is i didn't an mean the awful it.
2: word <laughs> I was... oh i wish the i didn't uned-
0: say that the unedited yeah the unedited The raw take. Yeah, uh, let's do it.
2: Raw is awful too. That's
0: also bad. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, Uh, I've definitely got some nerves. So,
2: yeah, I'm a little jangly. So, yeah, we're live from Brooklyn. Hi, everybody. This week we are reading the chapter called Hermione's Secret from Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. It is the second to last chapter. It is very long and intense. So, we decided to do just one chapter this week. On this podcast, slash this Facebook Live. This is actually probably even more important for Facebook Live because I don't actually know what their community standards are. Anyway, um
0: <laughs> Oh yeah, that part I didn't read. I read the best I read <laughs> most of the best practices. Hopefully it don't... doesn't
2: matter. There is yeah. gonna be so much cursing and a lot of spoilers. Yeah. Sorry, um, Mark Zuckerberg. Sorry, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, we're gonna curse a lot. There will also be some adult themes. This week's adult themes are gaslighting. Vague instructions, quantum physics, daddy issues, and Irish exits. Because they just bounce.
0: Yeah, well, serious, and serious, serious just, just bounces. Just bail.
2: Speaking of which, do you want to tell us what happened this yes, week? Yes,
0: in this week's chapters, Harry and Hermione wake up in the hospital wing after the crazy incidents of uh, the last couple chapters. Ron does not wake up because he is in a very bad way. Um, Sucks. Snape. Snape and Fudge are—Fudge is just fudging, you know, saying, Oh, goodness gracious, bad business, Snape. Good thing you came along. I'm going to give you the second best medal I could possibly give you.
2: Not the first best. But maybe
0: the first best medal. If I
2: can swing it.
0: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, if I can swing the best medal, maybe. Don't hold out hope for it. Probably order a Merlin second class, maybe first class. That's not important. Snape and Fudge are discussing the events in the Willow. Snape is explaining how he rescued the trio from Sirius Black. He found them passed out by... He found Hermione, Harry, and Sirius passed out by the lake after the Dementor attack, bound and gagged Sirius, and brought them all back to the castle. Harry is just waking up and says, I have to talk to the headmaster right now. Fudge is like, no, no, you're hysterical. Snape says you were confunded by Sirius Black into believing that he was innocent. Something about
2: a rat. Yeah,
0: something about a rat. Harry's like, no, I gotta talk to the headmaster. Madame Pomfrey is like, chill the fuck out. Go back to sleep. Uh, Eat some chocolate. Eat, Yeah here's a boulder-sized bar of chocolate. She
2: has to break it up with a hammer. With a hammer. It's that yeah. much chocolate.
0: Harry is like, you've got the wrong man. Sirius is innocent. Snape is like, shut the fuck up. Eventually, Dumbledore comes in to sort this out. Dumbledore asks to talk, if he can talk with Harry and Hermione alone. Oh, and at some point, Madame Pomfrey had been like, calm down, Harry. They're about to suck out your assailant's soul in Professor Flitwick's office. Which...
2: So everything's taken care of.
0: Yeah, so everything's taken care of. So Harry knows that shit is getting real. He has to... Uh, he's got to sort this out. So Dumbledore comes in. He's like, I want to talk to Harry and Hermione alone. Snape has some opinions about that. But... Always. Dumbledore gives him the brush off and Fudge and Snape leave. Madame Pomfrey goes to her office... Harry and Hermione attempt to explain to Dumbledore what happened, and Dumbledore had been chatting with Sirius Black. I guess chatting makes it sound really informal. They've been having a really serious conversation, and Dumbledore. So they they discuss what happened. Dumbledore's like, "I believe you, but nobody else will because you're 13, and strange, unexpected things never happen at Hogwarts." <laughs> Yeah, that's like Dumbledore's okay. like, nothing weird ever happens around here, so this insane story is completely, completely implausible. Uh, <laughs> if only we had more time. Did
2: you just dramatically take, take your my, glasses yeah, off did. for that? I if if love that.
0: Dumbledore's like, if only we had more <coughs> time! T- time turner! For Hermione! And Hermione it takes a minute for Hermione, and then she's like, Oh my god, I am a goddess with the power to change history. Why didn't I realize this before? Dumbledore cryptically says, three turns should do it and one, you may be able to save more than one innocent life tonight. I'm gonna lock you in.
2: You're telling literally every line of this chapter. We are never gonna get through through this. this. Fast forward. We gotta (laughs) summarize.
0: Okay, Dumbledore bails. Hermione pulls out a chain with an hourglass on it, throws the chain around Harry's neck turns the hourglass over three times. Harry feels whooshed back. They materialize in the entrance hall. Harry's like, what the fuck just happened? Hermione says, we went back in time, three hours. This is how I've been getting to all my classes this year. I've been using this time machine to take on extra studies. And Harry says, you built a time machine out of a charm
2: bracelet? He doesn't say that.
0: No, but basically... Wow,
2: you, like, prepped that joke.
0: Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh...
2: Ba-da-ba-da-ba. Yeah, she's like,
0: it's top secret. It's only for 13-year-olds to, like, take on extra studies and do other, like, stuff. So they are uh, wondering exactly what Dumbledore wants them to do besides save Sirius. Uh, they realize that they have to go save Buckbeak, so they retrace their steps from the previous chapters and uh, this is where it gets it's all there's a lot of like t- like literal timeline issues here to uh, to work through.
2: I don't know that we need to go through all of okay. them now. So
0: they retrace their steps and they follow their other selves out to Hagrid's hut and wait for the executioners to come down to lop off Buckbeak's head. Ugh. Um well the executioners are signing various paperwork. And other important documents. They free Buckbeak and hang out in the forest. The execution party comes out of Hagrid's hut, realize that Buckbeak has uh, flown the coop. McNair's like, let's search the ground. Dumbledore's like, why don't you search the skies, mofo? Like, he's out of here. <laughs> uh, let's get wasted. I want a large bottle of brandy now. That actually happens.
2: They chill in the forest. So they hang out in the forest
0: and they watch the events of chapter 17. Harry tells Hermione about the Patronus that saved him and her and Sirius from the Dementors. He thinks maybe his dad conjured it. And Hermione's like, that's crazy because no one ever comes back from the dead in these books. Didn't happen one chapter ago. Yeah, there's no ghosts. Uh,. Get yeah, they're your, all very skeptical yourself.
2: considering what their lives are like. Yeah, Well, actually,
0: Harry does think, is it so crazy Peter Pettigrew came back? Were Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs all here tonight in some way shape or form. Uh, Throughout this whole process, Harry keeps wanting to intervene, but Hermione's like, no, you can't let yourself be seen. It's against the law, and if you are seen, it will, like, maybe trigger a chain reaction that destroys the universe or something like that. Uh, That's actually Back to the Future again. (laughs) Um, They realize they have to go hide in Hagrid's hut because Lupin is going to come tearing through the forest in werewolf form. Uh, Buckbeak takes a nap. Harry leaves because he wants to go see who did conjure that Patronus. Could it have possibly been his father? He wanders out to the edge of the lake and sees the Dementors closing in on his past self and Hermione and Sirius. He's waiting, he's like, Dad, come on, where are you? Then he realizes, this shit is all on me. Conjures a Patronus that takes the form of a stag. I messed up last episode because I said he saw a stag, but didn't really know what kind of animal it was at that point. So, little mistake. Uh, so he conjures a badass Patronus. He drives the Dementors away. He comes, uh, Hermione's like, What the hell are you doing? You're not supposed to, like, be out here. You could be see, I, I, she, like, scolds him or something, right? And he's like, No, I had to conjure the Patronus. And she's like, whoa, that's really intense magic. And he says, yes, but I knew I could do it because I'd already seen myself done it. So that's I, crazy metaphysics. Uh, they get back to the task at hand. They hop on Buckbeak's back, fly to the astronomy, not the astronomy tower. They fly up to Flitwick's office, uh, which is just simply padlocked, blow open the lock with the lohamora. Sirius Black is like, thank God you're here. Why didn't anyone tie me up? Uh, (laughs) they're like what they're like really lack security they're like oh shit well we bound and gagged him to take him into the castle but then we took all his bounds off bindings off Uh, anyway he slides out the window gets on Buckbeak's back they fly up to the tower there's a moment of tenderness Sirius says Harry you are your father's son and they fly off Sirius and Buckbeak fly off into the night, and that's where we are this week.
2: Can we talk about the fact that it sounds like Ron Loki almost died?
0: Yeah, her
2: Like Madame Pomfrey that- is like, uh, I think he'll make it.
0: Okay, she's a little she's a little dramatic always. She's she's mostly just she's kind of a control freak.
2: No, I think Ron is, like, not doing okay. okay. Because he he doesn't even wake up. He had
0: the broken leg.
2: Yeah, he did have a broken leg. And then whatever, I don't actually think we ever find out what exactly Peter did to him, but Peter fucked his shit up.
0: Yeah. Peter,
2: like, didn't, did some bad magic.
0: Dark magic.
2: Yeah. He is a dark. Presumably. Magician. Um, But I just want to give a brief shout out to a favorite character of mine, Madame Pomfrey, who is the only person that acknowledges that this is a school for children.
0: She does say, calm down. There, there, Harry. A horrible execution. Like, calm down. A well, horrible execution No, she thinks take that place he's right agitated. A soul she, execution. No,
2: she thinks that he's feeling agitated because he's worried that there's a murderer about to get him. And she's like, you're fine. Like, okay. she is the Fair only enough. fucking person in this book that is ever trying to make anybody feel safe. All right. Like, I... Yeah, Aaron says she is a real grown-up. And exactly. <laughs> no, she is a grown-up. She is somebody who acknowledges that they are kids and that Dumbledore probably shouldn't ask them to go back in time to save the world.
0: She does say these children need... Rest and care,
2: which is accurate.
0: They are children. Super accurate.
2: They do need rest and care. They don't get it ever. But at least Madam Pomfrey is out here trying. She is breaking up a small boulder of chocolate with a hammer. So, I don't know. I just wanted to... I love her. I just wanted to shout her out. Okay, let's talk about the structure.
0: In the first book, it's that the trio has to solve the big puzzle at the end. In the second book, Hermione is out of commission, so Ron and Harry have to team up to infiltrate the Chamber of Secrets. And in this book, it's Harry and Hermione. So And then I,
2: in the next book it's just Harry. Yeah, it's
0: Harry alone against so, Voldemort.
2: I don't know. I think that's like structurally elegant. Yeah, I like that. You it know, that it, it, it
0: deepens the relationships between each of the characters.
2: And then in book 5 it's like fucking everybody. Right. It's like
0: the whole school essentially. Um,
2: Dumbledore's army. Yeah. All of them go to the final battle. It yeah, it gives like a really nice opportunity for individual pairs to like those relationships to get more developed but I think it also shows this sort of like stripping down of Harry's like access to help Mm -hmm. because book four I mean and like this is getting a little ahead of ourselves but I think his being alone in book four or I mean I guess Cedric is there but that's different briefly very very briefly I think it sort of is a nice way of showing that Harry... Eventually, this is just going to be Harry versus fucking everything in the universe. Yeah. So he sort of has less and less help. Although, I have to say, Ron is a better person to have knocked out than Hermione. (laughs) Overall, Hermione is more help. Yes. I mean, Ron is great, and Ron is brave, and Ron does a really good job in book two, but, like, Ron doesn't save the day. He sort of goes along for the ride, slash, like, almost kills Gilderoy Lockhart. Hermione is, like... I have a time no, machine. L-
0: Gilderoy Lockhart almost kills Gilderoy Lockhart.
2: Fair. Okay. Sorry. But with Ron's wand. Whatever. Hermione, in the on the other hand, is like, oh yeah, no, I go back in time. No problem. <laughs> this is how I go to chemistry and math at the same time. I also think that uh, another thing that we were going to talk about about the structure that I like is basically, I think it's really ballsy to have a single novel that basically has two climaxes. Yeah. Like it's a really unique plot structure and it breaks a lot of rules about plot about plot structure. And do you think it works?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like what's well, what makes this, in my opinion, one of the most exciting of the probably the most exciting of of the books, because you're wondering in the previous chapter you're wondering, like, how could it get any more crazy than this? Peter Pettigrew is back from the dead. Sirius is innocent. Lupin becomes a werewolf. And then she rewinds. Right.
2: And then you're like, there's still, like, 50 pages left. Right. Like, what the fuck and is they, about, they about do, to happen next?
0: You know, they do end
2: up. And it's from the same. Right. It's the same set of events um, from a different perspective. I mean, I guess there's some kind of, like, metafictional things you could say about her... I don't know. I wonder if it's a deliberate way of, or like a kind of a deliberate commentary on perspective. Yeah. This perspective shift, this weird like kind of like wonkiness in watching events happen is sort of what the reader experiences when they find out that Sirius Black isn't guilty. So it's this like weird kind of like metafictional way of Harry and Hermione getting to kind of be in the reader's position because what we've just experienced is like this kind of like looking back over the plot mm. of the whole book Yeah, with, I mean, we talked about this in the very first episode. We have like bad serious and good serious and we sort of hold them in our mind simultaneously. When we're rereading. When we're rereading mm-hmm. or even when we're just like looking back at the plot because there's basically like two ways that this all plays out. And like, I think there's like really good little examples in these scenes of similar kind of like metafictional devices. Like when you think about Serious being good, like his when he goes in and attacks Ron, you're like, Oh, it makes sense why that happened because he was looking for Peter Pettigrew, which to me is kind of similar in structure to when they hear McNair, mm-hmm. um, like swing the axe. And the first time they heard that, they assumed, um, that it was him killing Buckbeak, but then they, you know, you shift and it turns out that he's, um, just swings it at a fence in. Frustration because Buckbeak has escaped. So I think it's like actually a really elegant way of mirroring in the plot, like what the reader has just experienced with the wider right. revelation of Sirius's innocence. Right. These books are really smartly structured. And I feel like you have to read them as many times as we have before you really can even come close to getting at all of that. Yeah. So I really like that.
0: Oh, that's like that. That's incredibly satisfying.
2: Okay. Let's talk about Dumbledore.
0: Dumbledore.
2: I, you told me that you have a theory about this. I'm very mad. I'm always very mad at him. Yeah. Um, I think it is very unfair of Dumbledore to be like, my hands are tied, bros. There's nothing I can do here. I don't have any influence. I don't have any power. Yeah. I'm not the most important <laughs> wizard in the world. You guys are going to have to fucking fix this yourselves. I have to actually read this line because I underlined it because it made me so mad.
0: Dumbledore is just like... I just, He's just like, I my just, hands
2: are tied, bros. I just
0: work here, man. He yeah. says...
2: So Harry says, but you believe us. And Dumbledore says, yes, I do, said Dumbledore quietly. But I have no power to make other men see the truth or to overrule the minister of magic. Which is just fucking False. That is false. He can't overrule
0: now. He can't overrule the Minister of Magic. I
2: know, but he's There's like checks and balances. Oh, nothing I can do. They don't have checks and balances. Dumbledore could fix this, and he won't.
0: Okay, but the head of like the head of like Yale can't undo like legislation. That's
2: really different because Dumbledore is. Everybody <laughs> says he is the most powerful wizard in the world.
0: Yeah, but. Not le- He doesn't have, like, legal power.
2: I think you're totally wrong. I think he is deliberately he gonna forcing D- Harry to do this work for him. Whether that's for good reason or not, fucking Dumbledore could fix this.
0: Dumbledore has to maintain... Make- Dumbledore could I'm going to come to Dumbledore's defense here. He okay. has to maintain plausible deniability to hold on By to his By making a post.
2: 13-year-old do this thing.
0: Okay. Well, I have another theory. Well, I have multiple theories about this. Okay. One. Talk me through them. After we know, well, we don't know this when Dumbledore first is explaining, he's not even really explaining what they have to do. He just gives them some cryptic instructions and is like, as usual, good luck. Uh,
2: Help will come to those who (laughs) read it at Hogwarts, which is (laughs) not the same as saying, like, you'll get a sword.
0: If you click your heels together. Go on. Well, after, after Buckbeak flies the coop, Dumbledore has a. Glass, a large glass of brandy.
1: Someone untied him, the executioner was snarling. We should search the grounds, the forest. McNair, if Buckbeak has indeed been stolen, do you really think the thief will have led him away on foot? Said Dumbledore, still sounding amused. Search the skies, if you will. Hagrid, I could do with a cup of tea or a large brandy. Oh, of course, Professor," said Hagrid, who sounded weak with happiness. "Come in, come in."
2: You think he's just drunk?
1: Dumbledore is
0: no—he is drunk. He has been drinking heavily when he gives Harry and Hermione this task. He is half an hour removed, roughly. Well, maybe not half an hour, but he is not far removed from a a large glass of brandy. If he was, so you think
2: he's just like three sheets to the wind? And
0: Hagrid is wasted.
2: Yeah, and if you all... went,
0: went toe-to-toe with Hagrid, Dumbledore is drunk.
2: Okay, that there, you must have a theory that isn't that one.
0: Dumbledore's like, I get all my best ideas wasted. <laughs> Basically.
2: Okay, so possibility so number one. So Dumbledore is hammered,
0: and he was like, you know what you should do? Guys, you should go you back should in time, you time. guys.
2: How um, cool would this be? Okay, that's... Possibility number one. Well the other question
0: is I mean the other thought I have is so it makes no sense that to give Hermione the time turner for just like trivial like wizards only use time turners for for trivial shit. And Clearly Dumbledore wanted her to have the time turner for some reason. Yeah. Because I maybe because it's
2: a bad plan. Because
0: Sirius has escaped and maybe he's like, you know, at one point we're gonna need like a do over.
2: Yeah. This
0: year. And who and who would you trust more with the Time Turner, Hermione, or Harry?
2: Oh, obviously Hermione. I right. trust Hermione more Harry's, with everything.
0: Harry's totally impulsive. Hermione will follow the rules. So Dumbledore, Dumbledore's put the he just time like
2: has a hunch.
0: Yeah, Well, he has lots of hunches. He has
2: thousands of hunches all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, this is a question I always have in these books. It's like, how much does Dumbledore know? Like. Because sometimes Dumbledore seems just like straight up omniscient. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder whether J.K. Rowling has like... Not whether she knows. Obviously she knows everything about these books because she she created them. Yeah. But I wonder if she leaves it like deliberately vague. Whether Dumbledore just sort of like can see the future and knows all. And um like gives Hermione the time turner because he knows this is going to happen. Or whether it's just, like, kind of giving Dumbledore good hunches. You know, I just, like, can he... Sometimes it seems like he can see the future. But he can't because he needs Trelawney. Right. I think partly... Wait, we have to read Rose's comment because this actually is really funny. Yeah, She says, I totally forgot that Dumbledore's idea of a good way to come down from Buckbeats almost murder was to have a large <laughs> liquor in the middle of what he knows is some shit that is no, not he- even over. <laughs> it's so true. He's yeah. just like, you know what? Tonight's going to be long. We should probably get wasted.
0: <laughs> uh, Take the edge off. So funny. Um, you know... Dumbledore is playing, like, three-dimensional chess, right?
2: Always, yeah. Uh,
0: three-dimensional wizard chess. I, it's possible that using, like, the pensieve, mm-hmm. he has just worked through every possible permutation... Of what could happen of like the
2: next five years, and is like yeah.
0: making his best guesses.
2: I, I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. I think it's possible that which, Dumbledore has a pretty good sense, but which,
0: uh, which isn't the same as being able to see the future. No,
2: it's just being able to like guess.
0: Right, but he has like higher brain functioning than most uh, wizards, than most
2: anybody ever yeah. in history. Well, because the other thing, I mean, and I think this is probably the most likely explanation is he's always, he's always forcing Harry to do things that a child shouldn't do and I think I mean (laughs) yeah it's it's training Harry like he's he's training Harry to be the chosen one and whenever he can put Harry in crazy dangerous situations for like the lulls slash the lessons he does yeah so like he does constantly force Harry to take on things that are way outside a 13 year old's purview just because he's he's preparing Harry for The inevitable showdown. And I I don't know whether or not that's cruel. Because on the one hand, like, Harry gets to Voldemort really fucking prepared. Like, it's, you know, that's... He founds Dumbledore's army because he has all these skills... That he would only have gotten if Dumbledore had constantly put him in mortal peril. But at the same time, sometimes it's just like, Dumbledore, like, maybe you do it once. (laughs) Like, Harry's tired. Yeah. Just handle this one. But... Whatever, then these books wouldn't have good plots. That's true. I just, Dumbledore makes really compromised um, choices about Harry's safety all the time. And I always wonder whether Dumbledore knows for sure that it's going to work out. Because if he doesn't, like, he's a dick. I don't know. So, the hippogriff in the room.
1: Where did you get that hourglass thing? It's called a time turner. Hermione whispered, and I got it from Professor McGonigal on our first day back. I've been using it all year to get to all my lessons. Professor McGonigal made me swear I wouldn't tell anyone. She had to write all sorts of letters to the Ministry of Magic so I could have one. She had to tell them that I was a model student, and that I'd never, ever use it for anything except my studies. I've been turning it back so I could do hours over again. That's how I've been doing several lessons at once, see? But, Harry, I don't understand what Dumbledore wants us to do. Why did he tell us to go back three hours? How is that going to help Sirius?
2: Let's talk about
0: the, con- the very concept of time travel. So this is like an issue that...
2: This is most people's biggest problem with this book. The people I know who are big kind of high fantasy fans, shout out specifically to Kyle, my cousin, are like, this is the worst thing in Harry Potter.
0: Is the... the this exist, time travel chapter? The existence of the time turner.
2: Well, the, and the way it's used, and these couple of chapters are, in a lot of ways, I mean, they're super exciting.
0: Yeah, they're well-structured.
2: A lot of people think they're terrible. Okay. So let's talk about that. Do you think it works?
0: You know, it's complicated. Um, time travel is like, risky as an element in a plot, because you kind of break your whole fictional universe yeah. if you can just undo mistakes mm-hmm. which is what they use the time turner for and then the time turner for the rest of the series the time turner disappears which begs the question why don't they use it to save sirius later when sirius is actually killed why don't they use it to stop dumbledore from being uh killed why don't they go back in time and kill baby voldemort uh so yeah those well i questions. mean the yeah. ultimate
2: time travel question in the muggle world is like If you had a time machine, would you kill Hitler? Yeah. And it's like, oh, you guys could. That's an option. They could kill Voldemort. Possibly. Okay, you have come up with what you think is like the kind of the ground rules for time travel in this book. So why don't you tell us those? This
0: this might be this might be a little rough, guys, but I've been thinking about I'm thinking about time travel in these books and whether or not this is just kind of a broken concept that works really well in the context of Prisoner of Azkaban and
2: but then ruins but then the kind series of essentially. Off the rest
0: of the series because you know the time travel, the time turn is like too powerful, like the Sorcerer's Stone.
2: But so much worse. But it's exactly mm-hmm. the problem we had with the Sorcerer's Stone, which is like you can't introduce this thing in book one and then just be like, bye, nobody's immortal. Right, drives me nuts.
0: So we know there's wizarding laws and like serious ethics around time travel. Okay, but people have broken those laws by like running into themselves and attacking themselves because if you see yourself, you might attack them. Uh... But also, the events of this book happen through a concept in, like, writing about time travel called Backwards Causation. Okay. So, these aren't... Harry and Hermione don't, like, cause, like, divergent timelines to split off. Because they don't actually change the past. Everything has happened. Right. This is, this is like, one constant stream.
2: Okay. That hasn't They're been... They're just seeing the actual outcomes of their... Actions in the future and misinterpreting them as their past selves. Like right. the, the, the the axe throw is like a good example right. of they don't change what happens. They just their past selves have misinterpreted the whatever's happening in the right. timeline kind yeah. of thing.
0: And uh, if anybody's like a quantum physicist, <laughs> uh, backwards causation causes a... Uh, everything that occurs to...
2: Make sense.
0: Yeah, to make sense. And people who like think through time travel and whether it's plausible or not say that that's the only way time travel would work. One of the few ways time travel could make sense is if everything is kind of pre... This is like really complicated.
2: Like predetermined. Like if everything that you change in time mm-hmm. has already been changed. Right.
0: So, but so that
2: fucks with the themes of the whole book.
0: I mean, in a way... like
2: Well, oh, it complicates them. It doesn't yeah. ruin them, but it does make... Because we've talked so much about how there are so many thematic elements in these books around choice. Right. And then you get this theory of time travel where there's a certain amount of predetermination to the timeline that any one person like lives in. What do you make of that?
0: Well, so in this kind of backward causation theory, the time traveler doesn't actually have that much power... Or agency, he's just able to...
2: Like, witness. S-
0: witness, like, bear witness and see the past in a different way, which is kind of central to the theme of this book, which is...
2: Getting a new perspective. Right. On events that you thought you mm-hmm. understood. That's actually, that's interesting. Right. That's That's structurally and thematically interesting, then. So... Okay.
0: Yeah, these things happened because they were... I'm like kind of making like a mishmash garble of this, but there's like greater forces at work here, man. You know <laughs> that I think Dumbledore is kind of attuned to.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. Let's talk about Dumbledore because Dumbledore seems to know that something is afoot. Right. Throughout the sort of like mainstream timeline, even so though throughout he throughout hasn't sent,
0: even though he hasn't sent them back in time. Yeah. Right. So, but what do you like think that's of, about? He, he kind of senses the rhythms of. Well, one, he, he knows that Hermione is the time turner, so he knows that's a possibility.
2: Because mm. uh, there's that one moment when he, like, saves them. Right. Because um, they're about to go execute Buckbeak just as Harry is trying to get Buckbeak out of the yard. And all yeah. of a sudden, from inside Hagrid's hut, Dumbledore is like, oh, wait, you haven't signed it. And it's, like, too perfect of timing to to be a coincidence. And yeah. it's clear that... Like Dumbledore, yeah, he has like little sort of feelers of like I don't know something is not right, as yeah, Miss yeah. Clavel would say. <laughs> what no, were you about to say? He's
0: kind of attuned to the uh, like the rhythm, the rhythms of the universe, or whatever. I mean, man. yeah,
2: he's he's sensitive. You're right, and he he's yeah. sensitive. He's like on a different astral plane. Like right. he he has sensitivities to time and space and magic and forces at work that yeah. basically no one else has access to. So there's
0: like. It's so like I don't know. Wizards have like built the time machine, but they like don't even really fully comprehend what that means because there's like to risk sounding kind of cheesy. There's like forces at work here that nobody really gets. Right. You know. <laughs> um. I don't. I, I. I. don't know. And we could like get into like free will and all that, but that might be above my uh, intellectual heft. <laughs>
2: I don't think it is. I just, but it would take us, I mean, we could talk about that for another four hours. So yeah. these questions are interesting because like you said, a thing that's hard about introducing time travel into your universe is that then the rules sort of, sort of cease to apply. And um, well, like Betsy mentioned, hi, Betsy. She just said on um, on here that, oh, all well, the time turners were destroyed in book five, which I do remember that happening, but... It, Like, that's an annoying plot device. Yeah. That's like, oh, can't do this anymore. They're all gone. Like, (laughs) I I get... There's a difference between questioning, like, why in the world of these books don't they use them again? And then questioning, like, was it a great decision, authorially, to introduce time travel and then just take it away? Until crazy-ass things happen in Cursed Child, which... Breaks the rules of time travel set forth in this book. We right. can't even get into that, but that's a whole like they. She that there, uses, are,
0: there are parallel universes. Right. She in uses Cursed a child. whole
2: so like whatever. We can't get into Cursed Child, but she breaks all the rules that she herself has made for time travel. It's
0: apparently made later yeah. on.
2: Well, I, I mean, as this plays out, there seem to be certain rules like yeah. they can't.
0: No, the time travel doesn't seem to be able to actually change the past. No, so Sirius was always going to escape.
2: Right. Ugh. <clears throat> the time travel stuff is hard. We just, I get that maybe Dumbledore like had a higher purpose for doing this. I don't understand why the ministry approved Hermione's use of the time turner. That is bonkers.
0: Uh, You know, there's a weird, like, I can think of another book where time travel is used for, like, academic studies. It's this book, Bring the Jubilee. It takes place in this alternate universe uh, where the Confederacy wins the Civil War in this kind of dilapidated north that's like, economically depressed from losing to the South. Mm -hmm. And the hero is this historian, and he kind of meets this steampunk lady scientist who invents this time machine, and he uses it because he's working on a book about the Battle of Gettysburg (laughs) to go, like, view the South winning the Battle of Gettysburg. And then he, like, There's, like, a comedy of errors where he accidentally causes the North to win, and then he's, like, trapped in this alternate universe, so I don't know. Yeah, why did wizards build the time machine? Apparently just to have more time to read books, which, I mean, that's, I don't know, is that a good enough reason to travel through time? You tell me. They're trying I've, to expand the possibilities of the human mind.
2: That's actually weirdly what I would probably use a time machine for. Yeah. Like, I would just be like, oh, I don't have time in my life to read all the books I want to read. Like, maybe yeah. I'll just double my, like, right. amount of hours.
0: So they've built the time machine to have, like, a greater understanding of, not what... Well, that's, like, not, why they, what, that's like,
2: not why they've built it. That's possibly. Just why, oh, you're right. That's we don't what know.
0: It's, like, that's what the ministry approved it for. You're right. It's for a greater understanding of, like... That's a, Everything that's an you know, it's incredibly
2: exp- generous read on it, yeah. but I like it's, it's it. It's
0: to expand, yeah, to expand the wizard mind. Uh, sure, maybe, possibly.
2: Rose has just mentioned that she likes the ambiguity um, and the agent that the question of agency and manipulating time being left ambiguous is really beautiful and intentional. I agree with that, but I, I don't know. I think she rolling... Set really, really high stakes for herself by introducing this concept and then never using it again. I'm not saying that that like diminishes my enjoyment of the novels, but I I think it's a structurally suspect choice. And I do, I really do know incredibly smart readers for whom this basically like ruins the wizarding <laughs> world. Because it just like doesn't make enough sense and it doesn't, so you know, that exists. Just saying. yeah. Um,
0: Yeah, it's a bold bold choice. Um, So let's talk
2: about the metaphorical uh, uses of time travel in these books. We've talked about that a little bit.
0: So yeah, there's a reason the time travel happens in this book and why it's a favorite device that people can't stay away from because it's the ultimate wish fulfillment. The thought that we have like mastery, not only over the future, but things that we've already done or mistakes we've made, which I think... In a way, J.K. says, no, you don't. Yeah, which I like. No, I think
2: that she sort of turns the concept of being able to control anything on its head in these scenes because she's basically... And plus, like, they use it for such a narrow purpose, in part because they're a little bit less likely to break everything.
0: Yeah. So anyway, in in literature, time travel is never about, like, time travel.
2: I think, for me, the most beautiful and we I'm I'm glad we're finally getting to this moment. For me the most beautiful and interesting moment in this chapter is when Harry thinks that he has seen his father, thinks that he has seen his father performing the Patronus and realizes at the very last second, basically like in time to save his own life, that it was really him because that uses time travel as a device for this very literal scene of meeting oneself and and self-knowledge.
1: Harry raised his head to look at the circle of Dementors across the lake. One of them was lowering its hood. It was time for the rescuer to appear, but no one was coming to help this time. And then it hit him, he understood. He hadn't seen his father, he had seen himself. Harry flung himself out from behind the bush and pulled out his wand. Expecto patronum! he yelled. And out of the end of his wand burst not a shapeless cloud of mist, but a blinding, dazzling silver animal. He screwed up his eyes trying to see what it was. It looked like a horse. It was galloping silently away from him across the black surface of the lake. He saw it lower its head and charge at the swarming Dementors. Now it was galloping around and around the black shapes on the ground, and the Dementors were falling back, scattering, retreating into the darkness. They were gone. The Patronus turned. It was cantering back toward Harry across the still surface of the water. It wasn't a horse. It wasn't a unicorn either. It was a stag. It was shining brightly as the moon above. It was coming back to him. It stopped on the bank. Its hooves made no mark on the soft ground as it stared at Harry with its large silver eyes. Slowly, it bowed its antlered head. And Harry realized, prongs, he whispered.
2: The themes in this book are very much, like you said, it's very much about the past, but it's really specifically about Harry reckoning with who he is um, in relation to the past and specifically in relation to his father. So I think this moment of self-recognition as someone who so strongly physically resembles his father and then it turns out that his Patronus is the manifestation of his father's animagus, that's kind of to me what, that's the most beautiful and sort of like crystal clear thing that the the time travel plot brings us, is that moment where Harry meets himself, which is like a sort of ancient and beautiful fictional device. The true seeing of oneself from a new perspective is really profound and done really nicely here.
0: And there's some Joseph Campbell in there. The hero like sees the face of the father and they're like reconciled to each other
2: yeah absolutely but I also think the other thing that it does is it it shows Harry in this really lovely way that even though his grief is real and fresh and will probably last forever um he actually doesn't need his parents because it's this sort of last moment well except um in in some cry now cry later cry forever scenes I guess in book five and book seven where he sort of meets these like past
0: shades shades. yeah Yeah, these
2: sort of these ghosts of his parents but this is the last moment where he feels like my parent my father saved my life and the fact that that turns out not to be true means that Harry gets to see that he sort of had the power all along and doesn't need them to get through his life like his he, he can be he can grieve forever and he will grieve forever but um he's gonna be okay
1: yeah
2: basically without them. So I think it like is this kind of beautiful moment of like release almost because he's like I can do this like this is my magic this isn't my father saving me this is me saving myself oh I'm so proud of him
0: yeah and he's been trying all book
2: he has yeah and it's really incredible that he does the Patronus hmm that's a really interesting time ta- like that's a nice moment in the time travel plot too because he's like oh I did it because I had already done it. Which is like trippy, but right. also really deep. Right. I don't know in what way. Maybe we can talk through that.
0: That's, that's not like technically, that's like not technically a paradox, but I don't, is it? I think
2: that's a, yeah.
0: I don't know. I'm like not up on the, I should have studied harder <laughs> I was like.
2: <laughs> on time travel?
0: I went to like Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, which is a great resource and you should all use it, <laughs> uh, but it got pretty deep. I stopped at the equations.
2: So a last little thing that I want to talk about is I think it's really nice that Sirius's relationship with animals comes full circle um, when he rides off into the night on Buckbeak.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Because he has relied all along on the benevolence of animals and on his own ability to access his animal self. And then now Buckbeak like physically saves him
0: that is a nice twist or not twist but like
2: touch Um, turn. I don't know no it is it's beautiful Mm -hmm. and Buckbeak and Sirius actually become like really profound companions yeah
0: they go to Latin America and solve mysteries together
2: is that what
0: in my mind (laughs) (laughs) buddy what are you talking about in my mind there's a buddy comedy
2: I would read that yeah just so you know I would read the buddy comedy. The, bu-
0: the <laughs> Buckbeak, a Buckbeak serious mystery.
2: In like Argentina. Uh-huh.
0: Because they, yeah, they don't, they, they they go to like Belize or something.
2: They go to the rainforest. Right. Somewhere. And um, I think it's, I mean, is it South America?
0: I, I don't remember. Well, we'll remember soon. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll read it soon. We'll read it soon. Uh, yeah, a few other things to wrap up. Random observation. Lupin only transforms when the moon comes out from behind the clouds?
2: Yeah, the moonlight has to be physically on him. Just
0: put him in a, Just put him in a building.
2: Or put him under an umbrella. I
0: don't know. Just like
2: literally have a werewolf umbrella.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Right?
2: I don't think that makes sense.
0: (laughs) That was yeah, that was weird.
2: Yeah, when he was like, Oh, I saw Lupin and it was fine because the um the moon was hidden. It's like, no no no, that can't be how it works.
0: Uh, also Hermione at this point is like a year older than everyone probably oh my god yeah she's
2: added like almost a full year to her and life and that is
0: why Victor Crumb is into her next book because she's, she's not mature. 14 she's 15 because I was always like
2: no Victor Crumb
0: scamming on a 14 year old Victor
2: Crumb is into her because she's an old soul and no but she's a little older do you actually do you think that's true like does that add Possibly. like physical time to your like does that add time to your life
0: They experience. Like, you they age? experience it they experience the passage of time. Do you
2: age in the, so in that passage of time? Like, does that count? Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's crazy. She is, like, at least several months over, older Just than... Just a possibility.
0: I don't know. Something I was thinking about. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. Well, I mean, she's also always been an old soul. Like, she acts older than the boys, obviously. Ron still hasn't woken up as we yeah. leave him in this chapter. So who knows? Wait, Maybe no, Ron is only- dead.
0: Nothing. Like five minutes transpired I know, for Ron. I'm just
2: kidding. I'm just worried about Ron. Ron might be dead. Yeah. We don't be, know.
0: He'll be okay. I
2: hope so. Uh, who's your unsung hero?
0: My unsung hero is Dumbledore. For the reasons we've discussed, giving Dumbledore some credit, he's just like, he's just there for weirdness. He knows shit is up.
2: Yeah, I like that he trusts the universe in uh-huh. like a really interesting way. Yeah. He's just like, something seems off.
0: Something's happening.
2: Probably it's because of me in the future.
0: Yeah. <laughs> He would have enough self-knowledge of himself to... Uh,
2: self-knowledge of himself? Uh, yeah, that is a
0: terrible <laughs> sentence. No, I'm kidding. He would know enough about himself to think, hmm, maybe I should be on the lookout for unexplained shit happening because my future self might send children back through time to solve my problems.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... Okay, we'll give him credit for that. Yeah. At least he knows his own foibles and follies. <laughs> my unsung hero is Buckbeak because he's... Fucking heroic in this chapter. Also, he's super chill about them just kind of coming and getting him and being like, we'll explain later, but you have to come with us right now. Like he doesn't like make a big noise. He doesn't squawk or he doesn't mess anything up. It's like he knows. And then I really like when they go hide in Hagrid's hut and Buckbeak is like, yep, I'm home. And he just takes a nap. (laughs) Nice buddy.
0: He's pretty chill.
2: Also, the scene where Hagrid realizes that Buckbeak has escaped is heartrending. He's so happy, and it's so beautiful.
0: And then he just has, like... And then
2: he just gets tanked. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. You go, Glen Coco. He deserves <laughs> it.
0: This week's episode is brought to you by the Time Turner. We've all done things that we regret, whether it's last night's drunken text or a poorly considered private email server. The Time Turner can help you undo those mistakes. Time Turner. Rewrite history. <laughs>
2: That was good. That was like off the cuff. Yeah. I liked uh, it.
0: You can offer code Quibbler. Yeah. Some conditions may apply. Such as
2: you might murder yourself. Yeah,
0: you might cause a time paradox and destroy the universe.
2: Or do some butterfly effect shit. The audiobook clips you heard are courtesy of Penguin Random House Audio. They are from the Inestimable Mole Jim Dale's performance of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Same old, same old podcast dance, but rate... Review and subscribe, as the people who have hung on for this whole Facebook Live recording can attest. Rating and reviewing has some perks because we will do this again once we set new goals for ourselves. So please keep if, them coming. If
0: people, if people liked it, oh, if
2: you hated yeah, it, I mean, tell us, us that know. now. But like gently, because like, ugh, we're we're um vulnerable.
0: I was like, man, what if like just one random troll finds the stream and is just like. Just types Ben guys endlessly. Or what if, like, endlessly? Tim just
2: trolled us? Yeah. <laughs> I'm c- I kind of surprised he didn't. He did say door which was very funny. <laughs> anyway, rate and review, please. And subscribe so that you don't have to, I don't know, go searching for this every week.
0: We've got... What am I supposed to say? Oh, yeah. We're on Facebook, which you know. Facebook.com slash Quibbler Podcast. Quibbler Podcast is basically the handle on everything. Whether it's Twitter, Instagram, there's tiny letter tinyletter.com slash quibbler podcast. Yeah, you
2: guys should really sign up for the newsletter. It's extremely good. I
0: feel like if you're watching the live stream, you probably signed up to the okay. newsletter.
2: Um, you can also These email us. Like, just
0: like the core user base.
2: quibblerpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we've gotten a lot of good emails. I think we're going to have a shorter episode next week, so we'll yeah, probably we incorporate a, a mailbag. Yeah,
0: we need to have a mailbag into at some it. point. It just um, takes some planning.
2: So next week, we are finishing this bad boy up. And we will be reading... I will post again the last chapter of Harry Potter in the Prisoner of Azkaban,
0: and then we'll have the movie mini,
2: and then we are gonna start. Oh God, these books get so long now. Yeah,
0: and then we'll just be doing. And then we're just gonna do Fire for, for, for the next five two years. years. Yeah,
2: um, that's it from us. Thanks, everybody.
0: You can find the video of the unedited version of this podcast on our Facebook page. Thanks, amigos.
1: Harry, what do you think you'd do if you saw yourself bursting into Hagrid's house? Said Hermione. I'd... I'd think I'd gone mad, said Harry. Or I'd think there was some dark magic going on. Exactly! You wouldn't understand. You might even attack yourself. Don't you see? I foresee two possibilities. One, coming face to face with herself, 30 years older, would put her into shock and she'd simply pass out. Or two, the encounter could create a time paradox, the results of which could cause a chain reaction that would unravel the very fabric of the space-time continuum and destroy the entire universe. Uh, Granted, that's a worst-case scenario. The destruction might in fact be very localized, limited to merely our own galaxy. This is the weirdest thing we've ever done, Harry said fervently.